let's uh, get our Bibles out. And uh, I want to um, ask a question. I think we expected to be challenged in the Lord. And uh, the question is, what is the driving force in your life from your emotions? Some might say about your passion. What have you got a passion about? Remember a few years ago, Pastor Laurie and I had some young fellows around at our place. Um, at uh, Janet's my place, not Laurie's. He was visiting there. And, uh, uh, and Pastor Laurie was saying to these young fellows, now, what is your passion? And uh, a few of them had a few things to do about what they say. And he came to one fellow and he said, I haven't got one. And uh, I thought, well, that really summed up why he wasn't getting anywhere. He didn't have any real driving force in his life at all. And uh, so we, we, need to, we need to get stirred up about something. Life's short and uh, we need to make good use of it. And uh, so some people just don't seem to have much enthusiasm about anything. And I'm going to go through a few verses in the book of Proverbs about people who are uh, what the Bible calls slothful or, or they're, they're sluggards. It's the same word that is uh, used in the original Hebrew. And um, so I, I don't think it really applies to most of our folks because we're a pretty enthusiastic lot. And uh, I think maybe one of the things that uh, attracted many of us to come to the Lord, there was a challenge there, and we were looking for a challenge in life. But I just thought I'd talk a little bit about slugs and sloths for a moment. Now, a slug, we're probably fairly familiar with them. We, they get into our garden, uh, but it's, it's actually a slow... Well, all snails move slow. Um, I'll tell you a story about that too before I get any further. Um, I'll get the jokes out of the way. Um, and then we can get serious. Uh, Bob Jones, who was our original pastor in Liverpool in England, and he came out here many years ago, <coughs> and he was telling the story about uh, this uh, uh, docker. Um, there's a lot of... Uh, it's a, a port in Liverpool. And uh, <coughs> he, uh, he, he, uh, he had a tap on the shoulder from the RSPCA officer, and he said, oh, I'm, I've uh, had a complaint against you. He said, well, what was that? He said, cruelty to animals. And he said, well, what have I done wrong? He said, you just kicked that snail into the water. And uh, he said, what have you got against snails? And he said, well, nothing in general, but this one in particular. He said, well, what has he done to you? He said, he's been following me around all day. And... Uh, <laughs> So, uh, anyway, praise the Lord. So, that's uh, an idea of a, of a slug, or a, well, a slug is worse than a snail. He hasn't even got, hasn't got a shell, and he's got no backbone. And uh, so that doesn't make for a very exciting uh, a creature, and we get a few of them. Now, a sloth is a different creature. We don't have them here. Uh, they, in the jungles of South America and uh, Central America, uh, they're, uh, uh, they're also a very slow creature. They move now and then. And uh, they dwell in a tree. 
and uh, they've got no front teeth. Now, what that's got to do with it, I'm not sure, but that's what it says in the dictionary. So we've got these two creatures that are um, mentioned, and there's a, there's a word that comes out of it, that we can be slothful or we can be a sluggard. And um, in Proverbs 20, I've got it open here, um, and uh, just read in verse 4, the sluggard, somebody who doesn't want to do anything, will not plough by reason of the cold. Now, he's a farmer, and he can't be bothered to go out and to cultivate his, his ground and to plant his crop. It says, he will not plough by reason of the cold, therefore shall he beg in harvest and have nothing. So if you don't sow, you don't reap. And so that's not a good uh, problem to have because we all like eating. If we go over to chapter 24 and we start reading in verse 30. And I went by the field of the slothful, this lazy person, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was grown over with thorns and nettles had covered the face thereof and the stone wall thereof was broken down. And so here's this lazy fellow. He never bothers to tidy up his house or his yard. And then I saw and considered it well, and I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So you just, that's the way of life. Just, oh, we'll sleep and wake up, eat, sleep and some more and so on. We like Garfield, I think. Uh, yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Now, in another translation, it says, laziness will rob you just as surely as if an armed robber had uh, taken things from you. So we, uh, the Lord provides for us, but often what we need to understand, he's actually provided us a job for us to go to. And so uh, we'll look at a few other uh, things as well. Let's have a look in chapter 26 here. And uh, we read in verse 13. It says, The slothful man says, There is a lion in the way. There's a lion in the street. So he'll think of any excuse. He won't go outside of his house because there might happen to be a lion there that, that uh, is hungry. So he won't go out. And then it goes even further. As the door turns upon his hinges, it just goes back and forth, so does the slothful upon his bed. The only exercise that he has is to roll over in bed. So that's pretty extreme, isn't it? The slothful bringeth his hand... Uh, hideth his hand in his bosom or some translations in the bowl it grieves him to bring it again to his mouth he's just so lazy he can't even be bothered to feed himself I'm sure that's not applies to anybody here the sluggard is wiser in his own, own conceit so in spite of the fact he won't do anything he's got an opinion about everything and he's um, the great authority he doesn't need an encyclopedia because he is one. The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that enter a reason. So he's all talk and no wisdom. And so, as I say, I don't think that applies to us. But maybe sometimes spiritually we can be a little bit that way. 
Now, <clears throat> I want to go on from here that the, there are many, many people who display a very strong, passionate feeling towards certain things which they want to achieve in life or what they want to do with themselves and so on. But some of these emotions, in fact, many, many people are uh, controlled by these emotions which are destroying them. And let's go to the New Testament. We'll go to the book of Ephesians. <coughs> Ephesians, and we're going to have a look in chapter 2. And <coughs> it tells us here, and this is talking to people like us, We've come to the Lord, we've repented of our sins, been baptised in water, filled with the Holy Spirit and uh, speaking in tongues. In fact, uh, if you want to know a little bit about the Ephesians, you can go to the book of Acts in chapter 19 where the church started there. And Paul came along and found these people who had uh, a belief in God, uh, but uh, they, they'd been baptised under John's baptism. Uh, but they hadn't received the Holy Spirit. So he instructed them further, he prayed for them, he baptised them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, they received the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues. That's the way the church started. That's the way every true church starts of the Spirit-filled people. So here we've got these people who are filled with the Holy Spirit and uh, he goes on to say to them here in verse 1 of Ephesians 2, and you hath he quickened. It means he's brought you to life. Spiritually, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And that's the state we were all in before we came to the Lord. We, uh, were, we were not really living spiritually at all. And uh, we were born again. We were born naturally, of course. And we were baptized in water. We received the Holy Spirit. And now we've been brought to life. To be quickened is to be brought to life. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Before we came to the Lord, we lived the way that other people in the world were living. According to the prince of the power of the air, the devil. He was dictating to us the way that we should live. The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. And so it's talking of the, the natural spirit of man which actually drives us when it talks about working here it drives us to be disobedient against everything that God would expect his people to do so that's what we came from and it goes on to say among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And so <clears throat> that's the way we used to live. We were driven by all of these carnal things, and uh, the list is very, very long indeed. And some of these uh, things that we were driven by were not particularly sinful within the, themselves. A lot of good things there, but they preoccupied us into uh, leaving God out of it but some things were really bad and it goes on to say but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he even loved us even when we were dead in sins has quickened us together with Christ by grace he has saved we didn't deserve it but through Jesus Christ we've been given the opportunity of receiving 
life, spiritual life, which goes on into eternity. And it goes on to say, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so now, as far as the driving force in our life is concerned, whereas it was all about natural things, about the things of this world, now we have a heavenly vision. We've, uh, we, we've been given the opportunity to get a, a, a glimpse of what it's like in heaven. And we are actually, in a sense, living in a heavenly realm now. We are with Jesus Christ. And that's why our lives so dramatically change and why we have this peace and with this joy and this love that's, uh, that's, that's, that's going forth out of our lives because we have been delivered from those things which controlled us before and motivated us. And it goes on to say that in the ages to come, he, Christ, might show the rich, exceeding riches uh, of his grace in his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so we get to the point where we know that our salvation was given to us. We couldn't earn it, and we didn't, uh, but we're enjoying it now. Okay, so let's go back to the book of Galatians, uh, just uh, probably a couple of books before. Uh, book of Galatians. And we'll read there in... Where is it? There it is. Galatians in chapter 5. <coughs> and we read in verse 13, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty... We've been liberated. We have been set free from the things that, that governed us before we came to Christ. And, and this liberty and, and, and our testimonies that we give uh, talk of that. Uh, um, Pastor Nigel was telling me about uh, Brother Max up in uh, uh, Berry, how he came uh, to the Lord and he was at our Christmas camp and um, hadn't been the Lord all that long. Uh, but his testimony is so great that at the men's shed that he belongs to, apparently about many, uh, 40 of them go there, and uh, they keep asking him questions about what's happened, and they're intrigued. Uh, what's this speaking in tongues all about? And I understand that Pastor Nigel, you're going up to... He's been invited up to the men's shed in Bury, and the subject that he has to talk about is speaking in tongues so he's uh, he's he's going not reluctantly he's going and he said what do you think I said, oh go for it man and uh, so there we go but this is Max's testimony and um, and of course there's a lot of those testimonies around another brother who uh, his sister just came to the Lord recently and the sister was so impressed with uh, he's been the Lord a few years now but she's so impressed, partly because of what she's seen, but also that this brother's doctor said that he just cannot understand how that he, when he received the spirit, he was instantly delivered from ice addiction. So there's some pretty amazing things happening. And there's a lot of people here that could give uh, testimonies like that, that God has set them free. And so these people were liberated from what they were in. I mean, I wasn't an alcoholic or a drug addict, 
but I was still a sinner and I was delivered from my sin and uh, you know maybe outwardly there didn't look to be a big difference but there was I became instantly a real Bible basher and terrorized the people I was 20 years of age and the people of Sagina they could they could tell they were saying look out here he comes and uh, they, they used to have uh, uh, the, some of the retired gentlemen used to sit on the seat of knowledge outside of the, the Sagina town hall and uh, and I would see them it wasn't really fair of me because I was 20 and they were about 90 uh, but they couldn't run away and I used to go over and tell them all about it and uh, so he, yeah, even the minister one time he saw me coming and he decided to duck into somebody else's house but uh, anyway that was the change in me um, but we've all been, but I was liberated I was liberated from the dead old Methodist church I was deliberated I was liberated deliberated I know I got that I was delivered and liberated both of them but all sorts of things but why was I liberated so that I could serve my brothers and sisters in love and that's that's the motivating force now it's the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost that is given and where some of us don't get as much benefit out of our walk in the Lord as we we could is because we are still influenced too much by the things that influenced before we came to the Lord and instead of the love of God and the love of the brethren driving us we uh, we read in second uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 5 and verse 13 I think it is the love of Christ constraineth us and uh, to, to be in a constraint it means to be uh, well to be held in as someone is is constrained it is sort of held captive in a way but it, uh, we'll read that sometime anyway I think I was going to have it down here but anyway praise the Lord so the love of God it, it, it holds us together it keeps us from straying away we've been set free but in a sense we are now uh, we're now captive to the Lord Jesus Christ now if you had to go to prison anywhere if you just had to wouldn't you rather be in a prison that was run by Jesus Christ than one that is run by the devil because that's the one we were in before and now we've come to the Lord and he's, he's taken us in and he's filled us with his spirit filled us with his love and he says now I just want you to use this liberty that I've given you to serve your brothers and sisters. We're going to read here, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, this, uh, in, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, which doesn't sound like the Christian thing to do, if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. So if now that we're in the Lord, before we came to the Lord, maybe a lot of us used to just love to argue or we just got into the habit of it. We, maybe we just couldn't stop and somebody started an argument with us and we would be trying to think up a, 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 how we could shout louder than them and, uh, and those sort of things. And that's just the way to destroy each other. We're now called to forgive each other and to, and to help each other and so on. 
Anyway, it goes on to say, um, as I say, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh because they're fighting against each other. Now, I won't try and go through them all there, but it, it, from verses 19 to 21, it talks about the things which are the lusts of the flesh. And these are driving forces that are there in the hearts and minds of people in their natural state. And many of them completely destroy their lives because they are driven by it. They are addicted to things. I was visiting an assembly um, interstate not too long ago and they said they had this young person that came to the Lord who was addicted to immorality and it was just a way of life and, uh, and so it was delivered from this driving force that was coming from the flesh and the spirit just completely changed and uh, so uh, it talks about other things about witchcraft and idolatry false religion in the days that the bible was given to us there was a lot of paganism and everything going on it's still there but some of the some of it's still very pagan but they call it by christian names but we are delivered from all of these things but they were what drove people before they were addicted to it. And uh, there's, there's all sorts of other things that are mentioned there. It talks of hatred. Some people are just consumed by it. It drives them. Um, when I came to the Lord back in end of 1957, and the next, uh, there was a, a lad that was working there that uh, received the spirit two nights before I did, and he left the farm. And another lad came to work there, and... Um, he, uh, I thought I'd take my time to talk to him and my father picked him up from the airport at Sejuna and brought him out and obviously talked to the lad on the way and we were working together and uh, one day about a week later he blurted out, he said, what's this religion all about? I said, who said anything about religion? He said, your father said you're a religious maniac and uh, I said, oh thanks dad and uh, so Anyway, um, uh, well, he, he was curious. There was one time the best thing to do was not to witness straight away and uh, get him asked the question. Anyway, he came to the Lord and got an amazing healing on his eyesight and so on. But when we, he opened up and talked about his life, he had been orphaned. Well, his mother died when he was a little baby and he'd been brought up in a Catholic orphanage and uh, he had uh, suffered terrible physical abuse from one of the priests and um, he hated this priest with, with you know with, with a passion and and his his dream would be to one day he was going to find this guy and kill him that's how much he hated him but he came to the lord and uh, and and god took that away from him that's that's how much can happen and you can imagine in countries where they're having wars that have been going on for generations how that you know the catholics hate the protestants and and vice versa and the muslims hate the the, the uh, you know the orthodox and all this sort of thing and uh, you know yugoslavia they had orthodox they had catholics and they had muslims there and so on and they're just basically the same people but because of their religions they were brought up to hate the others and so on it talks here about quarreling some people are addicted to that that's what drives them just love and argument some are addicted by jealousy and some uh, 
uh, they've got anger problems. They talk about anger management. Well, we, we know the, the best one to cure your anger problem. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll set you free from all of that. It, it talks about strife. That's about petty arguments. Some people just love to argue. You can even get marriages sometimes where if he says yes, she says no, and vice versa. We had a testimony at our Christmas camp, I think it was, uh, with uh, the brother and sister from, uh, uh, from uh, Switzerland. And that was the way their marriage was. It was a disaster because they just kept on arguing because that's what you do when you're married, apparently, according to them. Not anymore. They've been delivered from it. Some are addicted to violence. They just, they just got to fight somebody. And uh, then it talks about revelings. Well, that's wild parties. You know, we're having a lot of trouble with that around in our city now, that there are terrible things happening. They have a party, the police close it down, they get out into the streets, and next thing they're, uh, they're throwing bottles through neighbours' windows and assaulting people and so on. So those are the things that are driving a lot of people out there. We've come to the Lord. We've been set free from that. So don't. Don't even think of going back into the world because you could get sucked into this in some form or another. Okay, so um, uh, the contrast to this is down in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, when you come to the Lord, you get filled with the Spirit, and what grows from that is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. These are the driving forces that are within us now. And it's up to us to cultivate these things because they are fruit. And fruit is what grows on a tree. You have to nurture the tree to make it grow. And so it is. We, we pray about it. Lord, help me to be more loving. Help me if I'm married. Help me to be a better husband or a better wife or a better parent or a better child. Help me to be a better testimony. At, at my workplace or school or whatever it might be and, uh, and the fruit of the Spirit grows in our life and these uh, are the driving forces for us now down in chapter 6 we read here in verse 7 be not deceived God is not mocked for whatsoever a man sows that shall he also reap for he that sows to his flesh all those fleshy things we mentioned a moment ago he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh What's the end result? Reap corruption. The wages of sin is death. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's your reward. You can live all your life in the flesh and you'll get your reward. You'll die. But this says, but the, he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith, especially to the people that you're fellowshipping with, but also love the people outside and even your enemies. Trouble is sometimes people, their worst enemy is the one they're married to, and that's, that's terrible. If that starts to happen in the Lord, get over it, pray about it, forgive one another. Let's have a look in, uh, in Hebrews in chapter 6. Just want to mention that uh, there are, there's a wonderful passage, and I'm going to uh, finish off on that shortly, uh, about love. 
and it finishes up the end of the chapter and it says and now abides faith hope and charity or faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love now um, I haven't got time to talk a lot about faith or hope but they are driving forces as well hope is what keeps us going we have this confidence that when this life is over we're going to live for, with eternity with the Lord and, and that's a driving force that gets you through when there's hard times the Apostle Paul said in Romans that I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the, the glory that shall be revealed in us we're going through a hard time but hang in there folks because the Lord's coming back and we're going to spend eternity with him faith in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 we haven't got time to go to that today but it talks about all the amazing things that people achieve because they exercise faith and I've got my Bible open here to chapter 6 of Hebrews and I want to start reading um, in uh, where were we going to start reading um, yeah, there we go um, in verse 10 for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labour of love uh, the previous part of this chapter is talking about the dire things that are going to happen to us if we turn our back on the Lord and uh, sometimes people read that and they feel oh it's hopeless I'm not going to make it but, but read verses like this God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labour of love which you have showed toward his name and then that you have ministered to the saints and do minister so okay you've made some mistakes hands up all those who have never made a mistake now this will test you out yeah because sometimes when I say put your hands up people think I better put my hand up but no you were, you were very good you're either sound asleep or you're awake up to me so we've all made mistakes and I guess all of us at times feel guilty and think oh you know I wonder whether I'm really going to make it now because of this that I've done but God is not unrighteous he won't forget your work and labor of love which you have showed towards his name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister he's aware of the fact that you're doing for your brothers and sisters and what you're doing for him and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end the fact that you are here and listening to the word of God is a wonderful indication that you're in a good place and that you're really wanting to do what's right by God but sometimes we've preached on these things before and people have said yeah yeah that's good I'm insured by that but something happens and they lose their concentration they are distracted they go back into an old way and that's not good and then it says in verse 12 uh, we read verse 11 did we we desire that every one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end and don't be a sloth or a slug that you be not slothful but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises and there's a lot of stories in the Bible about people who have exercised faith and patience in fact he goes on to say about Abraham now he was uh, well you know my dad was 51 when I was born 
uh, and that's pretty old for, for a dad to become a dad. But Abraham doubled that. He was about 100. But he was promised that he was going to have this son through his wife, Sarah, uh, when he was about 75, which is quite young by comparison with 100. For 25 years, he had to wait for the promise to be fulfilled. So God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. So that's, that's what faith can do. You just know that it's going to happen, and if it doesn't happen today, well, we'll trust that it'll happen tomorrow. And if it doesn't happen, then we keep on trusting for as long as it takes, and the Lord is going to come through for us. Let's go to First uh, Corinthians chapter 13 now. And I mentioned this verse there in verse 13. And now abides faith, hope, and charity, or love, and these three, but the greatest of these is love or charity. And I just want to just highlight a few things. We haven't got time to go through it all. But, um, and I'm going to read some of this out of another translation. But uh, from down in verse 4 where it talks about it uh, suffers long and is kind, let me just pick out the positives. Well, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll mention the negatives first. Love is never envious nor boils over with jealousy. If, if you're displaying these attributes, that's not the love of God. It's not boastful or vainglorious. It doesn't display itself haughtily. So the love of God doesn't do that. The love of God is not conceited, arrogant or inflated with pride. It is not rude and unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not insist on having its own rights or its own way. It is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It does not rejoice in an injustice and unrighteousness. And maybe when we look at this, we think, oh, I sometimes display some of those traits. We'll get rid of them because that's not the love of God. That's the flesh. But what love does do, it endures long and is, in, is patient and kind. Love takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances and endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Now this is what God wants to be the motivating factor in our life now we're spirit filled and if you're not spirit filled come and join us because we are enjoying the benefits of this it's a long process the fruit it takes uh, is growing all the time and it doesn't matter how long you've been the lord i've been the lord for over six decades now i'm still learning anyway praise the lord pastor laurie is going to lead us through the communion so we'll hand over to him